Hi, welcome to the Vineyard family. My name is Nikki Brown and today I'm going to be speaking on partnering with God in finding a joyful and non-anxious life. Now when we look at the Bible, there's a whole bunch of words, there's a whole bunch of verses that come up around anxiety and fear. Be strong, do not fear, your God will come. Isaiah 35.4 You who fear him, trust in the Lord, he is their help and shield. Psalm 115.11 So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. Isaiah 41.10 For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. 2 Timothy 1.7 Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. 1 Peter 5.6 and seven. Do not fear, you are of more value than sparrows, Matthew ten thirty one. And be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Philippians four six. The message version of that verse says, Don't fret and worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. So as I look at all of these scriptures, it's pretty clear um, that the Bible says, do not fear, do not worry, do not be anxious, which is great, except for myself and for many people I know, sometimes I am fearful, sometimes I do worry, sometimes I am anxious. And so there's this gap between what the Bible says and what God commands us to do, which is do not fear, and what our reality is, which is actually kind of am fearful. So often when I read these scriptures, I used to think, well, okay, the Bible says just do not be anxious. Okay, I'll just switch that off. Flick that switch. I'm not anxious anymore. However, that doesn't work for me. And so there becomes this guilt sometimes that fills that gap between what God commands and asks us to do and what our reality is. This guilt comes in around, well, I am fearful. So what does that mean? Does that mean I don't have enough faith? Does that mean I don't trust God? Does that mean I'm being disobedient to God? So today I'm going to look at how we can bridge that gap in a way that's a bit more useful um, than just feeling guilty. So one thing that I've learned about the process, um, about partnering with God and finding joy in non-anxious living is, it's three things. It's a goal, it's a process, and it's an outcome. And for many of us, we flick back and forth between those three aspects of living a non-anxious life. Ignoring anxiety doesn't work. I certainly know that. So let's talk about what, anxious, what anxiety is for a minute. Now what happens when we're, anxious, when we're anxious? It affects us on a physical, emotional and mental level. It's not new. The huge wealth of verses in the Bible show that God knew that anxiety and worry was going to be an issue throughout the ages. Secondly, it's both a normal human and body response. God designed our bodies, including our nervous system. So often when we're feeling anxious, there's all these physiological processes that are happening that trigger our nervous system. It's a red flag. It's, it's our body saying there's something that's not right here. Now, when we have anxiety in our body, as I said, it's got some physical symptoms. Now, I won't go into all of it today, 
But the way our brains work is that our body will, um, it will flag something that's not, that we're not happy about. Back in the day, that would be, oh, there's a bear that's coming to eat me, or I have to, I have to run away for it, or I have to fight off a wolf that's attacking my flock of sheep. And the brain would trigger a whole bunch of stuff to happen to give us what we need in that moment to flee or fight. And that's where we get the fight or flight response from. Obviously in these days, bears and wolves are a bit thin on the ground. So that's not what we need to flee from, from or fight anymore. The problem is the parts of our brain that trigger anxiety in us, it doesn't know the difference. It's a, it's a basic raw human response to something's not right. So it doesn't matter anymore that there's no bears or wolves. It's just our body doing what it was designed to do. Lastly, trouble will come to all of us at some point and we'll all battle with anxiety at some point because it is a pretty common and reasonable response to stress. Now, we don't have bears and wolves, but we certainly have stress in modern life. John 16.33 says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I will overcome the world. So anxiety isn't new. It's a normal response to stress. And at some point, it's something we're all going to experience. So today I'm going to um, look at the Old Testament, which was a shock to me as it was to everyone else. This is where God led me to to talk about today. Now I'm speaking from Second Chronicles uh, chapter 2, and we're looking at the story of Jehoshaphat. Now the tr 12 tribes of Israel were, des were descended from the 12 sons of Jacob which were Reuben, Simeon, Judah, Levi, Issachar, Zebulun, Benjamin, Dan, Asher, Gad, and Joseph. The twelve tribes were ruled by Solomon, and after he died, the Israelites divided into two separate tribes, which was the northern and southern. The northern tribes were compiled of ten of the tribes, and the southern was called Judah, and it only encompassed the tribes of Judah and Benjamin. Judah was ruled by a succession of kings, and Jehoshaphat was the fourth king, ruling for 25 years from the age of 35. Now he turned the hearts of people from, false, from the false worship of Baal back to God. He went about appointing judges in the Judean cities. They were Levites or priests or heads of families, and their job was to rule that particular city and make judgments as needed. And he left them with instructions, the last one being... Act with courage, be bold, be brave. So this is what he set as, found, he set as his, the foundation. He must have known that that's what they would need, especially to lead. That was the goal. So the goal was be bold, be, be brave and have courage. Now after that, a bunch of tribes gathered together to, um, to start to attack Judah. We're going to read through the passages of Second Chronicles 20, sorry, not 2, to pull apart how Jehoshaphat handled this and how he handled managing anxiety around this issue. So Second Chronicles 20, verse 1. After this, the Moabites and Ammonites with some of the Meunites came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It is already in Hazazon, Tamar. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. So what was his first response to an anxious situation? 
I'm thinking that a big army coming to attack you is something that is pretty anxiety inducing. So what did he do? He did two things. First of all, he didn't ignore the problem. He didn't try and brush over it. He didn't convince himself, let's just ignore it and it'll go away. He immediately took the problem to God and focused on the issue. So he fasted. And that's a really important point for us to start with, is that he experienced some emotions. He was alarmed. He didn't ignore those emotions. He took them as, this is my red flag. I need to pay attention. It turns out that the human race like to avoid difficult things. They like to avoid confronting things that might be unpleasant. Jehoshaphat didn't do that. He acknowledged his emotions. He immediately took the problem to God and he focused on the issue. He fasted. Verse 4. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town to seek him. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in the front of the new courtyard and said, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand and no one can withstand you. So what was his second response? He stood before God and he proclaimed who he is. So this is how he started off as the foundation. Before he tried to problem solve, before he tried to explain away the anxiety, he proclaimed who God is. He started off by acknowledging the mightiness of God. Verse 7. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, If calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress and you will hear us and save us. So what was his third response? It was remembering what God has done in their past. And often we forget when anxiety comes upon us. It's pretty physically unpleasant. It really messes with our mind. It's very easy to develop catastrophic thinking in that moment. And what's really important for us to do is to remember all the stories and the things that God has written in our lives and shaped us and helped us navigate previous difficult times is to just remember those and remember what he's done for others as well. This is what Jehoshaphat did. They declared, if trouble comes, whether it's the sword or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence and cry out and you will hear us and save us. So they remembered and they acknowledged that this is what God has done for us in the past when we've had um, difficulties. Let's pick up at verse 10. But here now are men from Ammon, Moab and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes upon you. Now, in this passage, Jehoshaphat is saying, Do you remember these dudes that came? And you wouldn't allow us to invade when we came from Egypt. 
So we turned away from them, we did what you said, we did what you told us to do, we didn't destroy them. Now look what's happened. They've come to drive us out of what you've given us. So a little bit of a whinge and a complaint going on here, um, which is acknowledging, I guess, his humanity and their fear. And they need to blame because we always love to blame someone when we're feeling anxious. However, what they're ending on here is we have no power to face this vast army. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon us. So this is the next step in Jehoshaphat dealing with anxiety, is acknowledging his fear and his humanity. We need to acknowledge our fear and our humanity when difficult times come upon us. What it ultimately means is we're acknowledging our need for God, that we cannot do this ourselves. And this is where anxious free living is a goal. It's around, I acknowledge my helplessness, I acknowledge my feelings here, but I also acknowledge that living an anxious free life is my goal and it's what I'm going to aim for. Now often we feel guilty about our fear and our humanity when we get really worried. Well, we're Christians. Christians shouldn't worry because God's in charge and God will help us. However, it's really important that we do acknowledge, yes, we are human. What does being human mean? It just means we have a need for God in our lives. Let's pick up from verse 13. Remembering we're in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 13. All the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones stood before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of a whole bunch of other people, as he stood in the assembly. Now this is a really important point. All the men, the wives, the children, the little ones stood before the Lord together. This is when we need to gather our tribe around us, when we need it, when we're anxious. I often see this in the Women of Worth Facebook group that's online. Now this is just a collection of the the women of Vineyard Pine Rivers and this is when they it's a closed group and they can post things in there as they need to. And many times the women in there ask for prayer. They bring specific things to the group. That is giving them anxiety. Often it's health crises or employment issues or family stuff that's going on. And it's really important when we're anxious that we don't isolate ourselves because the enemy does his best work when people isolate. It's that we gather with our tribe when we need it to acknowledge our anxiety and ask for others to partner with with us in that. Verse 15. Now this is Jehaziel addressing the group, addressing the tribe. Listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged of because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Again, reminding ourselves who is in charge. What are the promises? We need to remind each other when we're, when we're suffering, when we're distressed, when we're um, experiencing anxiety. Let's not judge each other for feeling anxious. Let's remind each other, do not be afraid because the battle is not yours, it's God's. Verse 16. Jehaziel gets pretty specific here. Tomorrow, march against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. 
go out to face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. So again, old mate is saying to the group, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. He's also giving them some really specific directions to follow the next day. What this passage says to me is that we need to listen to the directions God gives us. I hate to break the news, but a lot of what makes us anxious is self-inflicted. It might be our own poor financial decisions. It might be our own poor health decisions. It's all in the Bible. Um, this is where God calls us to partner with him in doing the things that promotes an anxiety-free life. The Bible is full of instruction and guidance as to how to manage finance as well, how to navigate difficult circumstances, how to make good decisions, how to avoid or manage addiction, how to parent well. This is where the partnership is important, where we need to actually do stuff to reduce our own anxiety. It's not enough to simply pray and say, hey God, fix this for me, that'd be great, thanks. We need to follow, listen to the direction he gives us and spend some time finding out, Lord, what are the things that you promote to live a godly life? Verse 18. Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. Then some Levites stood up and praised the Lord and the God of Israel with a very loud voice. So what have they done? They've acknowledged that they need God. They've proclaimed who he is. They've remembered their past and how God has rescued and saved them. They've acknowledged um, that God, they've got no power to um, defeat this problem. Everyone came together. They've reminded themselves who was in charge. They've delivered some instructions and now they're worshipping. Now, hot tip, this is not the first time you're going to hear this. So they worshipped with a very loud voice. They proclaimed him. Verse 20. Early in the morning they left for the desert of Tekoa. What does this very short little passage say in the first half of verse 20? They did what they were told to do. This is where anxiety-free living is a process. Now, I'm pretty sure at this point they were still kind of a bit worried. They were still a bit stressed. They were still anxious about how that this day was going to end for them. Because they, looked, they would, look, would have looked at the reality of the situation, these massive, mighty armies coming against them. It is kind of anxiety-inducing. However, despite how they felt, they did what they were told to do. This is where anxiety-free living is a process. We have to actually do stuff to achieve it, even if we don't feel like it. We partner with God. We obey and we trust. Now, there's a whole bunch of action we can do to reduce our anxiety. And I won't go into all of it today. But there's things like exercise, practicing mindfulness, learning how to manage catastrophic thinking, cognitive behavioral therapy, prayer, worship, sleep, spending time in nature, distracting the physical process that's happening in your body. Sometimes it even involves medication. Now the nervous system is like any other system in your body. When it gets a bit broken, you may need medication. My husband's asthmatic. He needs medication to stay alive and whatnot. Kind of important. Some people have had such long and pro prolonged periods of stress that their nervous systems are pretty stretched out. And they need medication. So I'm just going to say this really clearly, that it's okay to be a Christian and take medication for anxiety at the same time. 
Let's pick it up from the rest of verse 20. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and the people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness. As they went out at the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures together. So for the second time, they are worshipping. So they've worshipped, they're starting to worship before the battle's won. They've, they haven't won anything yet, but they are worshipping God as they set out to do what he told them to do. So in this process of achieving anxious free living, we worship before the outcome is achieved. Now, verse 22 of Second Chronicles chapter 2. As they begin to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. Kind of an understatement there, isn't it? The Ammonites and Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they'd finished slaughtering those guys, they helped to destroy one another. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked towards the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder, and they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and also articles of value, more than what they could take away. There was so much plunder it took them three days to collect it. On the fourth day they assembled in the valley of Baraka, where they praised the Lord. This is why the valley of the Baraka is called this to this day, which means valley of blessing. So this is where anxious free living was absolutely an outcome. The, the tribes destroyed each other. They didn't have to kill anybody. God orchestrated it so it all um, took care of itself. So not only did they achieve the anxious free living as an outcome, but they got extra blessings. Sometimes the process is worth it for the outcome. Suffering can bring life. So don't put it off. Don't put it off dealing with um, your anxiety and your anxious thoughts. Often we spend a huge amount of time and energy and effort pushing it to the side and just keep trying to plug through things because we think, well, we're Christians, we're not supposed to feel anxious. However, when we partner with God in working towards anxious free living, it can bring incredible life when we journey with God through that. Now, we pick it up here at verse 27 as we finish off. Then, led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of Judah and Jerusalem returned joyfully to Jerusalem, for the Lord had given them cause to rejoice over their enemies. They entered Jerusalem and went to the temple of the Lord with harps and lyres and trumpets. So again, they worshipped, third time it's mentioned. So they worshipped before they actioned anything, before they went to the Lord, they worshipped, they, they worshipped during the event and then they worshipped after. To finish off, verse 29, the fear of God came on all the surrounding kingdoms when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel and the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace for his God had given him rest on every side. So those two words, God gave him rest and peace when he journeyed through a pretty stressful situation in partnership with God. 
Now to finish up with, I just wanted to share a personal experience. Last year my husband um, got a new job in around August of last year. It's a permanent job and um, as we came up to the Christmas period, he found out that for the six weeks of the school holidays he wasn't getting any pay and the reason was he hadn't been long enough there to um, accrue that much holiday pay. Now, initially I was, I was cross about this, not at his employer, because they're a wonderful employer, but I was cross that we hadn't been informed and that we couldn't sort of um, start to financially prepare for a period of having six weeks without pay. But strangely, I wasn't anxious. And the reason for that is we have this history of God being incredibly kind to us and managing finances for us and blessing us financially. So as we came up to this period, um, there was a whole bunch of things that I put into place. Now, I'd already saved up money for Christmas and back-to-school expenses, so that was great. We planned to live on savings. Um, he was due to get one last pay and some holiday pay. And I also had, um, I work part-time and I have a small business, so I also had a, an invoice coming in for a small business. During the six weeks of the holidays, we had unexpected car expenses when my car broke down. We had to replace my keyboard because my keyboard stopped working properly and I still wanted to participate in the worship team. And we had some dental stuff that we had to take care of as well for our kids. So we also sold off a few things lying around the house that we thought we could get rid of and we cut back on expenses. So what did we do? We remembered God previ God's previous examples and time of blessing us financially. We'd already followed good financial stewardship as much as we possibly could as we don't have credit cards. So I'd already saved up for some of our Christmas and school expenses. We remembered who he is and how he fulfills his promises. What actually happened was when I went to ring a, the bank and talk to them about our mortgage to see if we could um, drop back to interest-only payments, they said, oh, Mrs. Brown, you're, you're nearly $5,000 ahead in your mortgage, which we didn't know about. We'd accidentally gotten ahead in the mortgage, so I said, just don't worry about it for two months. Just don't pay your mortgage. You're totally fine. We got a little bit more than we were expecting in my husband's holiday pay. I had a large invoice come in for some work I'd done back in November, which was really stressful at the time, to be honest, because it clashed with other things that was happening in my life. But God had obviously planned it. So after the six weeks, we had um, the dental, we had normal living expenses, we had Christmas, we had back-to-school costs, we had unexpected car expenses, we bought a new keyboard. We finished $2,000 ahead in our savings, which is obviously totally God because that's pretty miraculous as far as I'm concerned. So what I wanted to finish on today is what doesn't promote anxious free living? It's is ignoring your anxiety, it's not caring for yourself, it's making future wrong decisions, it's overthinking and it's looking to yourself instead of to God to try and reduce your anxiety. When we, go, when we reflect on this passage in 2 Chronicles 20, what the things that God gives us to do is to act with courage, to acknowledge our humanity, to remember what God's done in the past for us, to gather together with people in our tribe, to take the problem to God, to remind ourselves who is in charge and what's his promises, to listen to the directions he gives us, to 
research what does godly life look like, to worship, to obey and trust and do the things that God calls us to do, even if it doesn't feel like, even if we don't feel like doing it, do it anyway. Again, worship, worship, worship. Partnering with God and anxious free living, again, is a goal. It's a process and an outcome. So let's stop beating ourselves up when we do experience anxiety. It's a normal human response. Instead, let's look to God at how we can journey with him in reducing our anxiety and claiming the victory he has in our life. Partnership with God is not about us telling him what to do to make us less, less anxious. If you could just give me a better job, I won't be anxious anymore. Or if you could just fix this situation within my family, then I won't be anxious anymore. Instead, partnership is about aiming towards an anxious free life, walking with God and letting him lead us through the process of achieving it and submitting and trusting his plans. Thank you for listening.